All right, it's Ty here from Hollywood, Book of the Day. We're going to be talking about this crazy, amazing book, kind of mind-blowing, The Everything Store. It's a biography by Brad Stone about Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Keep this in perspective here. This dude, Jeff Bezos, made $38 billion for himself. That's his net worth right now. I think he owns 83 million shares of Amazon. Not a bad thing to own shares in. And... Uh, so it's, you know, the good, bad, ugly, everything you need to know about somebody. Now remember, Amazon was counted out, right? 2001, tech bubble came. People are like, this internet thing's not legit. Nobody's gonna be able to beat old school businesses like Walmart or whatever, but you know, well, like they say, Jeff Bezos may be laughing last. He's probably going to build a, one of the first trillion dollar revenue companies. And remember, there's no bricks and mortar. There's no store. There's no McDonald's. There's no Coca-Cola can. There's no you know, Walmart superstore. This is a guy who built something out of thin air when everybody counted him out. So there's a lot I could talk about in this book. But as you know, you know these aren't conventional really book reviews. If you want a book summary, I mean, my recommendation to you is just read it yourself always but there's different summary what I do is I kind of put my own spin and those things that I think are relevant for your life today uh, and the things obviously relevant to my life hopefully we're on the same page so I also I take notes in the book but I, I sometimes depending on the importance of the book I'll also download it on my iPhone it's usually the same cost it's weird <laughs> they charge about the same uh, uh, price there so Here's a, here's a part from the book that stuck with me the most. It was talking about Jeff didn't believe in work-life balance. Now, that's a controversial subject, right? Everybody's all about work-life balance. I talk about the good life, which is about health, wealth, love, happiness, balancing these. But his take was, you know, it's interesting. He believed in work-life harmony. The idea that you might be able to do everything all at once. If you've heard my talk on the 67 steps, one of the 67 steps is the integrated life. So Jeff was much more about integrating his life. I respect him for that. But here's what I want to talk about today. I'm going to read this story. Uh, evidence of this friction, because the friction was he wanted people to work a lot and people wanted balance in their life, his employees. And he said, they usually emerge during the question and answer sessions at the company's regular meetings at the Moore Theater in Seattle. Employees would stand up and pose direct questions to the executives. And often they inquired about the enormous workload at Amazon. During one memorable meeting, a female employee pointedly asked Bezos when Amazon was going to establish a better work-life balance. He didn't take that well. Now, notice what he said here. It's interesting. He said, the reason we are here is to get stuff done. That is the top priority, he answered bluntly. That is the DNA of Amazon. If you can't excel and put everything into it, this might not be the place for you. Let's focus on this one sentence. I don't know if Jeff meant it exactly in the way that I'm going to take it here, but who cares, right? I talk about the things that I think are relevant to you. And this sentence is fairly profound. The reason we are here is to get stuff done. You know, 
Yesterday on my Facebook wall, I posted, or the other day, let me read this. I posted on, if you're, I don't know if you check out my fan page, it's Ty Lopez Official, but you know, I got a little controversy here and there. And I wrote a quote by Warren Buffett, I also put it on my Twitter. It's, I said, the purpose of life equals being loved by as many people as possible among those you want to have love you. So that's kind of, you know, the E equals MC squared, Albert Einstein's kind of attempt to unify, come up with his unified theory of life. Uh, Buffett, this billionaire, tried to come up with his, and he was like, for me, purpose of life, be loved by all the people you want to be loved by. Forget the rest. So I put that. Now, Jeff Bezos, we just heard him say something along the lines. The reason we are here is to get stuff done. So somebody wrote, Kyle wrote on my wall, there is no purpose of life. We are here to exist and then transcend to the next form of existence through the portal of death or die and all of our five senses are turned off permanently. Another person uh Brent wrote, actually, if you want to get all scientific, the perfect of life is to pass on your genes. Portals of death, lol. Another person wrote, I guess to some extent that's true, but then again, humans are driven to constantly find meaning. So probably all those answers are some truth in it. Yeah, in a sense, depending on your outlook on life, how nihilistic you are, maybe let's just go with it. You know, they say the Air Force, they train their pilots to reduce stress in their life by anticipating three outcomes best case worst case and most likely case so what's the worst case scenario for your life me and you uh, we die and that's it you know we're we're recycled into the dirt worst case for many people or maybe there's other worst cases but let's just take that Best case is you die and somehow something better happens to you after. Most likely, I don't know, maybe most likely is there's some form of consciousness after, I don't know, it's hard to tell. You know, there's some people that say science, like this guy was adamant that science says that, that at the end of our existence, when we die, when our heart, we all, of course, remember, we all die of heart failure at the end, right? That's 100% the cause of death for all humans. Um, so we die of a heart failure when our heart last beats, uh, we, according to some people's understanding of science, that's it. But you know, there's a lot of takes on science. You look at Stephen Hawking, he believes in multi-world theory, very controversial, kind of far out there theory that everything, multiple universes, trillions of them are happening simultaneously. Some physicists think there's some uh, or astrophysicists, cosmolog people interested in cosmology, they're like, well, maybe life's a video game. That's a There's all these options, right? So I don't know if you can say science says this. Then, of course, religion. Most religions say there's some life after death. Let's just agree with, I think it was Socrates or Plato who said, be careful of spending too much time talking about things you can't know the answer to. Descartes talked about that in his mind, in his mental experiments, where he removed things that he could possibly be wrong. So let's just say, I mean, I know I could be wrong about hard questions like that. So let's try to answer the questions we can answer. Jeff Bezos was answering one of those. And it's interesting, I don't care what religion you are or how scientific you are, I think we can come to an agreement today on this subject. We are here to get 
things done. When I lived with the Amish for two and a half years in my early 20s, they're Christians, and they there's a verse, uh, if you're Jewish or Christian, you would both believe in this, the book of Genesis, it says, by the sweat of your brow you will eat your fruit, food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, to dust you will return, right? Or a different version. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it you were taken, and dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Now, I'm not religious. You may not believe in Christianity. You may not believe in Jewish faith. Uh, I think Islam probably shares this understanding. But Jeff Bezos here, I think he's an atheist. He seemed to have the same take on life. He was saying, look, man, I don't know how to cope with the uncertainty of what happens to us after death. Some religions, they try to cope with that by giving you answers, but they seem to all agree. Dust to dust, by the sweat of your brow, you will live out this life. John Calipari in his book, um, forget the name of it, his, his autobiography came out, the University of Kentucky uh, champion uh, basketball coach, won an NCAA championship. He says, you know, life is the grind, and you better learn to love the grind, because if grind equals life, we're going to do the simplest algebra equation here. If grind equals life, and you hate the grind, then mathematically, you hate life. So is it true that life is the grind? Well, I think that's pretty hard to refute, that life is the grind. What do I mean? Jeff replaced the word grind with getting things done. The Amish who believe this passage in Genesis, said, we are here to work by the sweat of our brow. You know, when I was at the Amish, they're mostly farmers or carpenters. Somebody who doesn't sweat every day, they have a word. You know, if you're ever getting married, like you're, a, they don't have arranged marriages. I think people think that Amish are something they're not. But the Amish, you know, you, you marry whoever you're attracted to. And, and uh, so when an Amish boy, let's say he's 22, 23 years old, that's when they usually get married. He has his eye on somebody, a girl he's known. And, you know, first he asks her. And they do do kind of the thing where you talk to the family, right? And the worst thing and the best thing that can be said about you by an Amish father if you're a boy, like the highest recommendation is the word, my, my Pennsylvania Dutch is a little... Uh, rusty these days i used to know that they speak a different language german they speak a dialect and it's like shafa shafa means work so if the dad says yeah you want to you know to his daughter oh you want to marry you know bob you want to marry tim yeah he's a shafa he's a worker and the worst thing that could be said about you is yeah he's not really a worker now, how far we have come in society, maybe some of it for the better and maybe some of it for the worse. That's for you to decide. But what I'm suggesting you to you for your life is if you want to have a good life, that you heed the words of Jeff Bezos, very smart man. You are here to get stuff done. You can heed the words of ancient teachings by the sweat of your brow. You can listen to the Amish, the Shafa. You can think of John Calipari, loving the grind. 
You could be like Ray A. Kroc, the founder of McDonald's. He said he named his book, Grinding It Out. The good news is, hardwiring of our brain, we know something. A hardwiring of our brain, according to uh, people like Jonathan Haidt, professors of, of, of positive psychology like Martin Seligman, uh, we know that what makes a human happy hormonally, right, the processes of dopamine being released and endorphins and all these physical processes that make you have this end result where you're like, yeah, I feel good about today. I feel good about the moment I'm in. He says, Seligman says, it comes from living the authentic life, the meaningful life. And he said what those are, those come from pushing yourself to the absolute limit, almost not getting what you want, but then through trial, error, persistence, hard work, getting it, that's what makes people truly feel, uh, feel fulfilled. So if you're watching this and you've been a victim, is what I call it, you and I both, of a modern media society, it's ironic that I'm doing these from my house here in Hollywood, right? Because this is the hub and the fountain of uh, all media. You and I have been the victim of being taught this understanding that what will make us happy is the reduction of the grind, the reduction of getting things done. I'll be happier if I'm on the beach. You know, you see this throughout entrepreneurialism. People talking about how to automate their income. People talking about how to work only four hours in a week. People talking about hacking and delegating and ooh, I can go out and I can you know outsource and put this part of my business offshore. And none of those things in and of themselves are good or bad. I talked about, get rid of the concept of good or bad. That's the 500 year old archaic mind. It's not good or bad, it gets you Newton's third law. For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. Meaning, your life is not in a vacuum. You don't just go get on a plane, fly to the Bahamas, lay out on the beach. That's an action, right? You will get a reaction from that. You'll get one psychologically. You'll get one biologically. And my question to you is, what outcome do you want? I can't tell you what's good or bad, but I can tell you what's more likely and more accurate, uh, more likely and efficient to get you to the outcome. If your outcome that you seek is fulfillment in life, then it seems right now, whether it be anecdotally from guys like Jeff Bezos here in the Everything Store as you peek into his mind through this biographer, whether you read ancient teachings from people thousands of years ago on dust to dust, whether you look at communities living out a certain kind of off the beaten path direction like the Amish, or whether you look at top researchers at University of you know, NYU like Jonathan Haidt or Martin Seligman, at, I think he's at Pennsylvania. They're all saying, if the end game for you is true fulfillment, waking up each morning and going, I'm excited to, I call it tap dancing to work, that's my uh, metaphor for fulfilled life, then the grind and getting things done and taking a new approach to life is going to make you get your end goal. If your goal is sensory pleasure, where at every moment you feel like you do for five minutes when you go to the Bahamas and lay out, then maybe that's, the, that's what you should be doing. That's the action you should be taking. I just want you to remember, and you can probably imagine this, have you ever 
hated a job you did, right? But you're doing the job because you're saving up money or you're saving up vacation days or you're saving up for some holiday that comes up. Then the holiday comes, right? The holiday comes, you have the money, you do the vacation, and then during the vacation, it's not as exciting as you thought it'd be. Like the old saying goes, I think it's an anonymous saying, the problem is no matter where you go, there you are. So if you're an unhappy person when you live in San Diego, when you get on a plane to the Bahamas, you bring the unhappy person right with you. You can't hide from it or run from it, right? The unfulfilled life. The second thing is, even if you enjoy that trip, then when you come back, it's like an illusion. You look back, it's over. And all you have left is whatever lasting emotions you have in your brain. My suggestion to you is don't major in minors or minor in majors. If you're focused on complete temporary, moment by moment, sensory pleasure, that's a minor part of life. It will come and go, it will recede, it will fade. Senses of fulfillment and authentic or meaningful living, according to Seligman, according to my mentor, Joel Salatin, according to the Amish, according to you know Genesis, according to Jeff Bezos, these are the things that will get you what you want. And I, the way I think of it is like, you know, I've talked about this a lot, some of you know, it's like we're, we've been driven into this corner where all of us are consumers. Like just look, if you don't believe me, look at your paycheck or look at your income last month. Where'd all the money go? For the most part, you had to consume. Now some of that's okay. Some of that is the necessary and probably unstoppable uh, movement of civilization towards specialization, right? You no longer grow your own food. You no longer build your own house. And for that reason, there'll be an exchange of money, cash, and so you're at some level, you're a consumer there. But it's gone too far to the point where I think the average American uh, makes $52,000 a year. But some years in the United States, there's a negative saving rate, meaning the, as an average, the individual in the United States is literally making 52 and spending 53. I think I saw one year as like a negative 1.9, meaning they're spending 1.9 or 2% more than they're making. That's consumerism to its negative, uh, excessive end. So you and I have been driven into this corner, some unwittingly, some unstoppably. But if you could take a little control back, if you could become a little bit less of a consumer, if you could learn to enjoy the grind of life, right? And not try to spend money to get away from the grind, which I guess is my main point if I had to sum this up. Stop seeing money or as Freud talks about in civilization, it's discontents, you know, let me read that again to you. I've talked about this in some other talks. Freud talks about uh, life being too hard. Uh, if you haven't read That Civilization and Discontents, I talk about it all the time. It's one of the smallest books you'll ever own. You only need to read the second chapter there. And what does Freud say about life for most of us? He says, let me find it here. It's such a, it's a haunting thing <laughs> that he says. He says, um, 
Where is it here? Uh, he talks about the pain of life. He says, life as we find it is too hard for us. It entails too much pain, too many disappointments, impossible tasks. We cannot do without palliative remedies. We cannot dispense with auxiliary constructions. There are perhaps three of these means, he says for us. Three things you and I are doing wrong. Number one, we're focusing on what he calls powerful diversions of interests, which lead us to care little about our misery. Think about it. I love sports. I'm not negative. I think sports can serve a valid role in civilization. But remember, Newton's third law, every action has an opposite and equal reaction. The downside of sports is many people do. They don't like their life on a day-to-day -day basis. As Freud says, the pain is too hard for us, entails too much pain. So we use powerful diversions of interest, which lead us to care little about our misery. You know, Karl Marx talked about this. He said religion was the opiate of the masses. I'm not saying he was correct. You may disagree with that. It seems like Karl Marx got a few things wrong in his day, <laughs> right? Some economic things, and maybe he got that wrong. But he was right in that the masses of people do seek opiates. I live in California. What do people seek here? Well, the next thing that Freud talks about or the, the third thing is intoxic, uh, intoxicating substances which make us insensitive to our mis misery. You know, I'm not a big fan of drugs, narcotics. I, get, I know I have friends, smart people that tell me how great marijuana and weed is and even people in my family argue with me on this. I'm not a doctor, I can't tell you. <laughs> I don't know the answers to all this stuff, but I can tell you this. If you use it as an intoxicating substance to make you insensitive to the misery of your life, I feel like you're off track. So I can't tell you if you should drink alcohol. I drink I like red wine seems to be good for people at times. Um, but it's the intention. If it's a mask, if you're bleeding and you stick a Band-Aid on it, that Band-Aid is a fool's game. But Band-Aids in and of themselves are not necessarily fool's games, right? You can't put a Band-Aid on a massive problem. So the takeaway that I'm bringing, kind of wrapping around this whole Jeff Bezos idea, this idea uh, of Freud's here, and he, of course Freud number two says substitutive gratifications, which lessen it meaning we substitute our something else into our life, a vacation. It's like, I hate my life, but I'm gonna substitute it. I hate my life, so I go home and I watch TV. The average American watching three or four hours of TV. To me, that's powerful diversions of interest. Nothing wrong with watching TV, but are you doing it from the standpoint of that you need to be distracted and diverted from the, from the misery of your life? Why not fix your life? Then you can watch TV in peace you can get more value out of it. So the way out for me is rewiring your brain. And one thing Joel Salatin taught me, he said there's an absolute, he didn't call it an evil, but an absolute horrible thing that is happening in our general society. He said our society, from a little child, you are taught, let's say you do something wrong, your parents go, you know what, Ty, 
you did this wrong. You have to do the dishes for a week. You know what Joel Salatin said? He said, how foolish are parents to do that? What have you just taught your kid? You've taught your child that the grind of life, doing the dishes, which is part of life, right? I don't care how many dishwashers you have. You still got to put the dishes in the dishwasher. You're teaching your child from five years old, six years old, seven years old, that the grind of life, the quote-unquote work, the sweat of your brow, what Jeff Bezos called getting things done, is a punishment. And if you're good, we'll let you play video games. If you're a parent, maybe, you know, Joel Salatin raised good kids, and he said, don't do that. He said, that happened to me, and it's a mistake. Don't punish with work. Don't punish yourself as an adult, and don't punish children. You know, interesting thing, Sam Chupp, the Amish guy that I lived with for two and a half years, he had six kids, seven, six kids. And his youngest boy was uh, David. And I remember thinking, because I knew this, that Joel Salatin's mentality about wiring the brain to love work. And I was like, these Amish parents are genius. They have the happiest kids I've ever seen, which I think tells a lot about a society. If you look, go to the airport, I flew to Vegas the other day. Just every kid there looks miserable. They got video games and all this, and they're everybody's the parents look like they're I mean the health of America is just I almost can't go to the airport. People look like they're near death. Like Bill Burr says he saw some lady at the airport stuff three egg McMuffins. <laughs> if you haven't seen his stand-up, it's hilarious. Three egg McMuffins in her face. And then he said he, she didn't have a napkin, so she wiped her face with the McDonald's bag. So I see it and I see the unhappy kids, but back there, you know, when I was when I was almost a teenager still living with this Amish family, Daniel did something wrong. I forget. He forgot to do his chores. He forgot to get eggs from the chickens or whatever. And his dad said, you know, David, and David was about six years old. He's like, you had a responsibility to those chickens. They were relying on you, son. They need you, you know, or maybe it was milking cows. He was like, that cow, you needed to milk, you know, her she, she needed to, to get that milk out of her. It hurts her. And you, you let down that cow. You let down the family with that responsibility and said, you know, son, today I'm just, you're going to have to stay here at home and you're not going to be able to come and with your brothers and I and go, we're on a work crew. We're going to go build a house today. You're just, you're going to not be able to be with us. And I was thinking, and the son, I mean, David, I remember he started crying. He was just devastated. He was like, dad, please. Let me come with you to work, please. And uh, I was going, if there's ever been an example of reverse psychology that's humane, <laughs> you know, the Amish hardly spank their kids. They're not anti-spanking. I know that's a controversial thing. Uh, I think, you know, once or twice in a kid's childhood at an Amish, they'll get spanked, not very harshly. But what the Amish do is train right so it's one of these there's these schools of thought that no corporal punishment no no physical punishment and there's other side of lots of physical punishment again i'm not a psychologist i'm not a family counselor it's not my expertise but i have to think those Amish were pretty dang smart man and what i saw there on that day he was wiring his son's brain to go i love the grind i want to be in the grind i want to be like my dad i want to work i want to work i want to work like Jeff Bezos said, what did Bezos say? We are here to get things done. If you don't like the word grind because it may have a negative connotation, think about your life 
about getting things done. I brought this up to somebody and they said to me, Ty, I don't like that mentality, man. That makes your life, it's like we're all just, you know, slaves to some need to get stuff done. And I'm like, you know, man, the guy who worked for me, I said, look, you need to toughen up. We are all slaves to something. One, for sure. I don't care who you are, whether you're religious or atheist, like Stephen Hawking says, time moving forward. You and I are a slave to time. It's a tough ta uh, taskmaster. Like Charles Barkley, the Hall of Fame basketball player said, Father Time's undefeated, my friend. You are always in subjection to someone, something. Jeff Bezos, they said an interesting thing. The only rules he didn't try to bend were physics. Can't change those. Senescence, the growth lengthening of telomeres in your at the cellular level you're a slave to that your instincts you're a slave to the need to breathe try to hold your breath kill yourself you won't your body will take over you're the slave it will make you faint so that you start breathing again now sure we can override some of these things obviously but you get the point here nothing wrong with being a slave to some things to time you don't even have a choice and if I am a slave to this world in the sense that in order to feel the sense of fulfillment, even if I'm an animal, and that entails me learning to love getting things done, I'm okay with that. Maybe you're not okay with that, but I want you to try something. I talk about this a lot in the 67 Steps. I know a lot of you listen to this uh, this free stuff. You've joined my, my 67 Steps. It's one of the most pr proud things I've ever been. So... Go to my site, tylopez.com. I say this with no shame. You know, people are like, ah. Some people are ashamed to sell stuff. I'm not. Life's all about persuasion. Anyway, the 67 steps I give away for free. So I'm not even selling you. And I give a free book that costs me more money uh, off Amazon. And you just pay the shipping. Four bucks or four ninety-five, which all goes to FedEx. Uh, I'm losing money on everyone, but I don't care. Life's not all about work. Uh, or profit, I should say. It is all about work, right? But not about profit. I'm here to get things done. And if I can spread a good message, not my message, but the message that I think the smartest, most accomplished, most effective people in history have, have taught and have left for us, whether it's in these books, that's why I read a book a day, um, I'm okay with that. It's nothing wrong. I have a talk on being persuasive. So check that out. But here's what I want you to do now, okay? If you agree or willing to experiment, because that's the thing that I, one of the big premises there in the 67 steps. And I actually read somewhere, I'm dying to find, the, I can't find where I found this research, but humans who do more experiments, even if they fail a lot, are happier than people who don't experiment. Like I said, Colonel Sanders, I have his book somewhere here behind me. Amazing guy, because he, he experimented, if you read, he's the guy who started Kentucky Fried Chicken at 65. Grew it at that time to be the number one restaurant franchise. This was a happy man, even though I think he said he failed 12 times at businesses. Hotel caught on fire. He, he got accidentally drafted into the Spanish-American War and got himself. He did all this crazy. He shot a man in self-defense, killed somebody, experimented with killing people. You know, he was acquitted. He was innocent. But my point is, this man lived life, man. And one thing, he seemed to be extremely uh, fulfilled. He got things done, and he wasn't so black and white about, like, was it a failure or wasn't it? You know, some things you do, you're going to get done. They're going to fail. Like Charlie Munger, a self-made billionaire, said, life will throw you incredible blows. The death of loved ones. You know, his son 
young son died uh, when he when when he was a father. You know, Monger was in I don't know thirties or forties, and Monger's like I walked the streets of Omaha weeping for weeks at a time because you know in a sense your children are something you've done. You brought them into this earth. Uh, he felt and you know he'd raised them and it was taken from him. But in the whole, in the conglomerate of life, he feels fulfilled. Another thing he says will make you feel fulfilled is the respect of your peers and the respect of other humans comes through getting things done. So I want you to experiment with this everything store, Jeff Bezos philosophy that, uh, and definitely go out and get this book. It's, it's a good book if you're a business person. It, by the way, it's uh, all these books that I've mentioned. If you go to tylopez.com and click the books link, I have a free list of the 100 or 200 most important books in my experience, the ones that I think are the most likely to bring you the good life. So uh, this is definitely up there in my top 20 or 30, I think. Uh, the Colonel Sanders book is there, you can see. So I want you to commit for a period of time, try 66 days if you could. That's the University College London minimum time to rewire your brain, form new habits. Rewire your brain about how you see the grind of life, how you see work. Some of you have jobs you hate, I understand. Maybe you work at fast food, the worst job or whatever, or you do some, what you perceive as menial labor. Try to bring some love to it, and you know you'd be surprised. Joel Salatin used to tell me, Ty, the cream rhymes rises to the top. The guy who built this house that, I, that I'm in, I have a you know, pretty big house here in the Hollywood Hills, he told me this guy has built and owns over 100 houses in the Hollywood Hills. I don't know how much he's worth, but I would say at least a hundred to two hundred million dollars. And he told me, he said, "You know this? You know how I started, Ty?" He said, "Up here in the Hollywood Hills, you have to build eighty-foot caissons. I think they're called these deep kind of concrete pillars, so that uh, if there's an earthquake, the house doesn't fall off the hill." And he said, "You know this house? When I built your house, Ty, we put I think he said forty caissons, eighty-foot minimum into this hillside." Because my house, if you've been here, it's right on the cliff looking out on Sunset in Hollywood. And he said, you know how I started in this construction game, guy? I used to go down in the hole. He said, it used to not be machines that did. I used to go down 80 foot or I don't know how deep with a shovel and a pail of dirt tied to a rope. And I'd fill it up and we'd, we'd lift it out and dump it. See, he worked by the sweat of his brow. He realized he was here to get things done. And he got things done and... He got the result that I think he want, wanted. He got, you know, fulfillment and health and wealth and love and all those things that he was seeking. Didn't just come from just that, but you see my point. He loved even the menial work. And as Joel Salton said, if you do your menial work well, there's an old spiritual saying that says, he who is faithful with a little will be faithful, will be entrusted with a lot. So even if you're grinding something horrible out, try to be the best at it. Don't stay at it forever. But the best way to rise up is to get things done. You will stand out. Cream rises to the top. The best part of the milk, the cream, the, the, the richest, the most tasteful, rises to the top and it gets skimmed off. You want to move up in life? You want to feel more quote-unquote fulfilled? It's not going to be from one day. It's going to be from a rewiring of your brain. John Calipari loved the grind. The grind is life. If you hate the grind, you hate life. Look back at your life. So I want you to leave this as a note here. 
If you're on my site, leave it as a comment under the video. If you are on YouTube, leave it as a comment. I read and reply. I can't reply to all of them, but I do reply to the most thoughtful ones. If you're listening to this on my podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are, leave this as a review. The reviews, by the way, I don't ask for much. I give these for free. Uh, reviews help me. They help spread the word. So if you don't mind taking a few minutes, leave a review. But instead of leaving a regular review, leave an answer to this question. Where in your life have you been tricked? Have you been tricked into what Freud says, intoxicating your life, distracting your life, substituting with minors what should be a major? And one commitment you're going to make, one specific area, maybe it's show up at work a little bit earlier. Maybe it's go to the gym and not be afraid to feel the burn. Maybe it's you know doing some charitable thing that you've been putting off something, but some grind where you're going to commit to rewiring your brain like Sam Chupp did with his son David of saying, you know, David, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, I'm not going to let you come work today. Man, imagine how happy a thought experiment I want to leave you with. You and I, if we had been raised by a father or mother who had employed that strategy, who had been like, Ty, you know what, I'm going to fork. If you're a bad boy, you're going to have to play video games and you're not going to be able to go out with your parents. Joel Salton said, you know, we are hardwired. Watch little kids. They want to do stuff. It's only through societal, uh, I would say, incongruence in the sense that societal mistakes that we root this out unknowingly out of our children, out of the next generation. Man, little kids, if you have a little brother or a child, they're two or three, they want to, you're washing the dishes, they want to walk over and wash the dishes. Why? Because we're hardwired. We're, remember I talk about this in 67 Steps. We are the voices, we, we hear the voices, the whisper of 10,000 generations of predecessors, of descent, of ancestors. You are, you are the slave of that and for, to some extent you don't need to get rid of it. It's okay, it's, it's benevolent. The voices in your head that say, get things done, get things done, accomplish, do, do. Now, let me just say one caveat. You can take this to an extreme. There is a time in life where you must learn to enjoy the moment. People do, you know, Michael Jordan achieved a whole new level of success when George Mumford, the psychologist, came in and taught him how to be present in the moment and not always be thinking about the next thing that you're striving. Remember, like Aristotle said, the eudaimonia, the life, the good life, the excellent life, comes from a balance. The reason I've talked so much on this one perspective is because society is so far out of balance that I need to overcome it with a strong message. But don't go too far to the other extreme. Your life is not completely made up. That's linear reductionist of the components of life. It's not like a guy who does builds 10 houses or a woman, you know, is 10 times more valuable than somebody who built one. No, the way I look at that is I think I defer to John Wooden, the great UCLA coach, talked about being competitive, but he said, remember, the competition's with your own capacity. It's with yourself. Don't envy, don't look at others. Look at your own innate capacity, like Will Durant says in The Lessons of History, a Pulitzer Prize winning author. He says, you know, we're all, we're born unequal in a sense, subject to different IQs, different physical capacities, different environments, different socioeconomic uh, environments we're born into. Your competition is with yourself. Be competitive at times, get more done, and then take time to 
let down, be in the moment, as Jordan Mumford said, mindfulness. There's a balance, but my guess for most of us, we've been bombarded with this recreation, that the joy of life is being on the beach in Barbados. The joy of life is your vacation, your 4th of July, your Thanksgiving, your Christmas, but it's not, don't major in minors. Those are minor parts of your life. The day-to-day -day grind, the day-to-day -day getting things done, that is your life. Learn to enjoy it, my friend, okay? Leave a note where you feel like you haven't done this well and a commitment is something specific you're gonna do that's gonna embrace this mentality of getting things done. So leave a comment, review, stay tuned for the next one. Try to do these fairly often, almost every day. Uh, if you, one thing, like I said, I don't always ask for it. If you don't mind sharing this on your Facebook wall, that helps spread the message organically. I love doing that versus just advertising to spread a message. So if this was helpful to you, please leave it on your Facebook or tweet about it. Or if you're on YouTube, there should be some links here. You can tweet about it, put on your LinkedIn, YouTube, blah, blah, whatever social, Instagram. <laughs> All right, so thanks so much. It's Ty, Book of the Day, The Everything Store. Check it out. One sentence we talked about. There's a lot of other good things. It's on my site, tylopez.com. Join my Book of the Day, by the way. It's a free email newsletter. I think now I have the biggest or the second biggest book club in the world after Oprah Winfrey. Not sure exactly how to verify that, but it seems like I do have the second biggest one. And about 1.4 million people participate and see this message. So I'd love for you to be. It's absolutely free. I'll just put your email in. And uh, if you have a question for me, you'll get a free. There's a private inbox on my site, tylopez.com. When you enter your email to get the free book of the day, you will get... Um, a message from me. If you reply, I actually read those. That's not my staff. That's me. So thanks so much. Talk to you soon.